Alrighty, what is going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of Very Cold Lasagna, the podcast that houses a safe and open listening platform for casual, cold, and even the dumbest takes on the world of WWE, AEW, the NFL, and the wide world of pro wrestling and sports in general. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to today's episode, episode number 55 of this freezing cold podcast. And it's once again time to open up that fridge and grab that very cold lasagna that tastes just as hot as a hot lasagna. <laughs> but anyway, we got a lot to cover in this uh, episode because there's a lot that happened and there's a lot to catch up on in the wide world of the National Football League. And what are we talking about exactly? Well, we are talking about week six of the NFL 2021 season. And we're going to go through all the games. All the winners and losers, the players of the week. Then, when it's all said and done with week six, we're going to go into week seven uh, with my preview, my picks. And we're not just going to be talking about week seven. As I mentioned in last week's uh, 49ers recap episode of Very Cold Lasagna, we're going to be talking about um, the 49ers week seven game against the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday Night Football in this episode as well. Um... In case you missed why I'm talking about um, the 49ers in a general NFL recap show, that is because the 49ers were on bye, and they are, well, back from their bye week, and they're going to be in the bright lights of Sunday night once again. So, might as well do a little two-for-one for for the 49ers in this uh, lovely, lovely episode. And, oh boy, oh boy, week six was... A very, very interesting uh, week filled with overtime thr- uh, thrillers, um, blowouts as as usual. And, well, there were four games less because four teams were on by the, the bye week. Um, I guess you could call it the bye week uh, prequel <laughs> extravaganza. Because, well, week seven is not going to get any better there, John. Uh, I, I guess it's the bye week apocalypse, I, I guess you could say. Um, but nonetheless, week six is in the books. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about week seven. And of course, the Colts going up against the 49ers in Sunday night football, um, towards the tail end of this, uh, episode of very cold lasagna. But before we do, we're going to share the social media as we love to do to start off the show. So make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel of Very Cold Lasagna and turn on that notification bell. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, and Google Podcasts. And follow the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Very Cold Lasagna. All right, let's get into today's show, shall we? So we start off with the show with week six of the 2021 NFL season. Like I mentioned before, um, it was the bye week prequels <laughs> into the bye week apocalypse that is about to go down. Four teams were on by the New Orleans Saints, the New York Jets, the Atlanta Falcons, and of course, my San Francisco 49ers. However, that wasn't going to stop the rest of the league from having their competitive games or blowouts or any kind of game that you could think of heading into week six. There were still some teams that were still trying to get, um, their first victory, or some teams trying to bounce back from painful losses or losing streaks, and a few other teams trying to prove themselves as perennial uh, playoff contenders in their respective conferences. So, we got a bunch of that and more in week six of this season. 
Starting off on Thursday Night Football, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks beat the Philadelphia Eagles 28-22. The Bucks were rolling all over Philadelphia um, at halftime, but Jalen Hurts somewhat overcame his uh, very bad game, and he managed to cut the deficit to just six points in the fourth quarter, but a couple of costly mistakes, including a taunting penalty by the Eagles um, and the inability to stop uh, the Bucks' offense, allowed the Bucks to win. Um, and hold on, 28 to 22. And you got to wonder if Jalen Hurts is and Nick Sirianni are really the answer to Philadelphia's problems um, down in Pennsylvania. So then we get to the Sunday morning uh, action. If you woke up for this uh, game, then you might have noticed something. <laughs> the Jaguars got their first win in London, mate. You better have waked up for that game. So. The Jacksonville Jaguars no longer um, winless. They beat the Miami Dolphins 23-20. And this was in spite of Tua having a decent return from injury. Um, but poor decisions from him. Poor decisions from Brian Flores, including two um, straight unsuccessful challenges, as well as bad defensive play. It allowed the Jags to march down the field and win their first game on a walk-off field goal. So the Jags... Didn't win their first game in AEW land at home. They won it in the comforts of their second home, London. So then, down in the nation's capital, the Kansas City Chiefs whooped the Washington football team's candy asses 31-13. However, um, early on in the game, the Chiefs still weren't their um, usual selves. They still weren't their dominant form that you've seen in previous years. So they were still having their struggles. Patrick Mahomes threw a very bad interception towards the end of the first half, but towards the second half, um, Taylor Heineke in that Washington offense was again anything done, and that allowed the Chiefs to get their groove back in the game, and they hammered the football team the rest of the way. So the Chiefs beat the Washington football team 31-13. They proved to 3-3, but still, um, there's still some questions about this Chiefs team. So, also some other action that happened. The LA Rams uh, also whooped the some more candy asses on the New York Giants, 38 to 11. And the Giants were honoring the 2011 uh, season, their 10th anniversary of that season, where they won the Super Bowl um, against the Patriots again. But the Rams didn't give a shit about that. They didn't care about revisionist history because Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. Um, regained their connective groove. They whooped on the Giants. And Danny, Danny Danny Dimes returned to Danny Pennies because Daniel Jones turned the ball over three times. And that offensive line let him get sacked constantly all, all game long. And you got to wonder if the Giants <laughs> are going to fire, uh, what is it, Joe Judge and then Dave Gettleman, that head coach, general manager duo and you gotta wonder if daniel jones is probably gonna if he's gonna be gone next year so down in indianapolis the indianapolis Colts beat the houston texans at home to improve the two and four they whooped on the texans 31 to three ty hilton returned for the colts but it was pretty much the jonathan taylor show as he ran all over the texans sad sad souls and the colts defense pretty much took down Davis Mills and pretty much didn't allow uh, other than three points 
and the offense got a big win. But keep in mind, it was the Texans. Now down in the Motor City, the Detroit Lions, you know, after, despite that emotional, emotional uh, pressure from Dan Campbell after the heartbreaker um, against Minnesota, in Minnesota, the Detroit Lions pretty much got tamed by the Cincinnati Bengals, 34-11. Joe Burrow had no problems throwing to Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase all day long. The Bengals destroyed the Lions, who now have a Jared Goff problem on their hands. Jared Goff did not look good at all in this game. And you got to wonder if um, Dan Campbell is going to bench Goff at some point. But you have to also wonder if that backup quarterback that the Lions have is going to be just as bad or even worse than Jared Goff. So you got to wonder about that. Now, in Soldier Field, that big UFO, (laughs) the, the, the Green Bay Packers once again prove that Aaron Rodgers owns their asses because the Packers beat the Bears 24-14. The Bears try to get an early edge on the Packers with good ball movement from Justin Fields and good defense on Aaron Rodgers. But once again, A-Rod proved that he is the Bears' schleg daddy and he once again proved that the Bears were just playing Bears football on another Sunday. So... Packers beat the Bears 24 to 14. And in probably what should have been the biggest game of Sunday, the Baltimore Ravens was like, fuck that notion. Because they beat the LA Chargers 34 to 6 to size. So instead of a what was a competitive game, this was a total wipeout. This was a total blowout by the Ravens. And you got to give credit to the Ravens' defense for stepping up in a must-win game, um, even though they pretty much had a comeback game against the Colts the previous Monday. This was a good game by the Ravens' defense. They shut down Justin Herbert and that Chargers' red-hot offense. They put him in that very cold fridge and made them eat that very cold lasagna. And, well, Lamar Jackson didn't have as big of a game as the previous Monday night. They, the offense also created their own opportunities on the backs of Justin Herbert and the Chargers' inability to score. So the Ravens beat the Chargers 34-6 in a big, big win. Now down in Carolina, the Minnesota Vikings beat the Carolina Panthers 34-28 in overtime. Yeah, who would have thought that this game was going to overtime? I thought when I saw the score, Tim Darnold was... Uh, Back to, well, Jets form. Uh, yeah, I thought <laughs> this was going to be all Vikings. But instead, somehow, some way, this game found itself in overtime. Um, Sam Darnold went back to his old ways of being Sam Darnold of the Jets. Uh, but the Panthers were able to force overtime. But they sadly lost to Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. And, um, you know, you got to wonder... Um, if it's time for Carolina to consider trading for a quarterback like Deshaun Watson or someone even more cali- caliber, but they gotta ask fast if, if for for all it's worth, it, despite all the controversy with Deshaun Watson, they better act fast because Miami is on their heels too. So now with the afternoon slate, the Arizona Cardinals made the Cleveland Browns revert back to the skid marks for one game because they whooped on their ass. 37 to 14 to go 6 and 0 and this was without 
their their main coaches. That includes Cliff Kingsbury, because they all tested positive um, with COVID literally two days before, and still the Cardinals went into Cleveland, made the rounds, the skid marks for one game, and they they pretty much kicked their asses all game long. I think the Cardinals had three turnovers. And they converted on all of them to either touchdowns or field goals. And they were pretty much up big by midway through the fourth. And the Browns tried to catch up at the second half, but the Cardinals at the third fourth quarter, they already they were already well on their way to winning the game. And making matters worse for the skid marks were the injuries to the running back core of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, um, who is gonna be on IR for at least three weeks. And Baker Mayfield hurt his non-throwing shoulder, so that's not gonna that's not good news for uh, the Browns heading into their Thursday night matchup against the Denver Broncos. So then, speaking of the Denver Broncos, they they also don't have good news because they lost to the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, thirty-four to twenty-four. Ouch. Yeah, this was a Raiders team that was still reeling from the fallout of the John Gruden email fiasco, but. They didn't get like they they got I guess they they used that as motivation to continue on to march forward like use they they were using it as a healing process because they were being led by interim coach Rick Bisacci of uh I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right Bit Rick Bisaccia because the Raiders went to mile high and then they pretty much like went lights out on them I mean sure like 34 to 24 it looks like it was a close game, but no, the uh, the Broncos pretty much were scoring all their points in garbage time. So Derek Carr in the receiving game had their best game since week three, and the Broncos' offense were just looking pretty pedestrian um, for much of the game. So this Raiders team may not be at least for this game, and maybe the game against Philadelphia next week. Maybe they're not as like written off as completely as we thought. So then, down in New England, the Dallas Cowboys beat the New England Patriots 35 to 29 in overtime, in another in another uh, really competitive game between both teams that featured good defensive plays. Like you had Dak Prescott trying to get a quarterback sneak um, towards the end of the first half, but um, he had the ball fumbled out out of his hands before it crossed the plane. And then you had a pick six by uh, Trayvon. Uh, I think it was. Tr- Trayvon Smith of the Cowboys on defense. He picked six Mac Jones in the fourth quarter. And then Mac Jones um, immediately responded with a big touchdown pass to uh, Kendrick Bourne. And then the Cowboys forced overtime um, with a field goal. And then while the Patriots couldn't convert, Dak Prescott, instead of um, marching down to, you know, kill time and then win it with a field goal, he was like, Fuck that shit. Like, I don't want to win it that way. I'm just going to, like, pretty much embarrass the Patriots by win- winning it with an open touchdown to C.D. Lamb. <laughs> he was literally like, nah, I, I want to literally embarrass them uh, on the scary, scary Gillette Stadium. So, the Cowboys win a really good game, 35-29, to in- on the road. And... Don't look look out now. Don't look now, but the Cowboys five and one, and this is a legit five and one. I, this is not this is nothing fake here. 
So in the Sunday night game, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Seattle Seahawks 23-20 to in yet another overtime game. So they were, like, a quarter of these games were overtime uh, games. And some of them were thrillers, and um, others were not so much. But uh, the Steelers continued where they left off offensively, um, taking a decent lead early. But then things started to slow down for them. Um, Big Ben was not do- was not looking hot because um, they allowed the Seahawks, now led by Geno Smith, Russell Wilson is going to be out for the next three games. Um, they allowed the Hawks to get back in it on the backs of uh, running back Alex Collins, who was starting over the also injured uh, Chris Carson. So this, this game went to overtime, and then the Seahawks, sadly, um, for them at least, because <laughs> like I don't care about how, how much they lose, um, they they get, they cost themselves a game with um, some bad fumbles, and they allowed. Uh, Chris Bodwell, the Steelers kicker, to seal the victory. And the Steelers are at an even 3-3 three and three heading into their bye. Now, in the closer, Monday Night Football, the Tennessee Titans got a big win over the Buffalo Bills, 34-31. Um, these two teams were fighting back and forth in this game, but the Titans got a huge goal line stand, and they stopped Josh Allen's quarterback sneak and got a big victory at home. Yeah, the AFC South sucks. Um, but I think this this win by the Titans could be something. They, they, it could be the start of something in spite of the bad secondary, um, the questionable offensive line, um, the the up-and-down health of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Maybe This could be something for the Tennessee Titans to repeat as AFC South champions. So that was the week that was uh, week six of the NFL season. Overall, some pretty, pretty good games. Like, like. So far, the NFL season's been living up to, to the hype. Uh, so far, like pretty competitive than than previous seasons. So now for the winners and losers, uh, we'll start off with the Baltimore Ravens. They not only beat the Chargers, they made them look like the Clippers. Yeah, this is the reason why I always call the LA Chargers the Clippers. They not only choke, but they don't show up for the games that matter. Um, the Ravens whacked the Chargers at home. Lamar Jackson. Um, he may not have like a as good of a game from the Colts game, but he didn't need to. He didn't. He honestly didn't need to because the running game of Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, um, they were they were good enough to get the job done. Like that running game was working. Uh, Lamar Jackson Jackson still got some throws in to Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman and Hollywood Brown and the defense. Put Justin Herbert in that very cold fridge, and they got themselves a big win that could also matter when it's time for playoff seeding, and it also gives them some good momentum when they face the Cincinnati Bengals in a very big um, division matchup coming up shortly this week. And the Arizona Cardinals, they didn't have Cliff Kingsbury and others um, this week because they tested positive for COVID, um, but still, they whooped on the Browns. Candy asses. And they continue to roll with that Red Sea attack on offense and a defense that still doesn't seem to bend nor break at this point. So 6-0 and is 6-0. and And like looking at their schedule, I, I don't know who can really beat them other than the LA Rams in that Monday night rematch like towards the back half of the season. And then the Tennessee Titans. Like, they were supposed to be better this season with the addition of Julio Jones and other key pieces on the defense. Um, 
but still they were getting um, inconsistency, getting embarrassed by the Cardinals, uh, and, and losing to the Jets of all teams. Um, but they got a good feel good about this win over a legit AFC contender, a red hot team in the Buffalo Bills. Um, they were able to go neck and neck with them and outlast them in the playoffs. Uh, not in the playoffs, but in Monday night. But if they do happen to meet again in the playoffs, the Titans can give them a themselves a huge confidence boost and they can believe in themselves that they can beat them again on the back. Not just Derrick Henry, but also right like if Ryan Tannehill can have a better game and throw it more to AJ Brown and Julio Jones, who could hopefully be healthy for the Titans, maybe they they'll have a chance. And but let's not beat around the bush. It was just one. It's one bad game for the Bills, um, especially on defense. But hey, this could be interesting things for both teams. Now, as for the, some of the losers, the Cleveland Browns. Not only did they get blown out at home, but they also lost to an undefeated team who didn't have their head coach calling plays. Um, they they got ass whooped back into being the poopy toilet skid marks <laughs> for at least one game. And what's even worse for them is that. They're going into this Thursday night matchup against the Denver Broncos, um, who's also like kind of regressed back into that bottom of the barrel of the AFC West. But the problem is for the the skid marks is that they're gonna be like going into this game severely like uh, depleted. Depleted. They're not gonna have their uh, two-headed running attack with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's gonna be on IR for a few weeks. Uh, Baker Mayfield is already confirmed to be out of this game on Thursday night. Case Keenum is going to be starting. And Nick Mullins, uh, 49ers fans remember Nick Mullins, is going to be backing up Keenum. Um, so, no Baker Mayfield. And then Odell Beckham is questionable to be in this game. And I, there's not much of a chance that Jarvis Landry is going to play, play in this game. They're probably going to have him wait um, to play the next one. So, all in all, this is not a good look for the Browns team that had at least playoff aspirations uh, to go back there and win at least more than just uh, one playoff game. So, not good for the skid marks. The Carolina Panthers, they had a really uh, big drop-off since uh, going 3-0. and uh, We went from the Sam Darnold being a totally new man in Carolina to, well, Sam Darnold's back to, well, Jet Sam Darnold. That plagued the New York team from for the last three years, and then that defense. Like, I'm I'm not sure what happened to that defense. Um, was it something that happened when uh, J.C. Horn? I think was it Carolina that drafted J.C. Horn? I think it was. Um, but some what, regardless of the case, like when 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 uh, J.C. Horn went down um, to injury and um, other factors, it's just like something that defense. Like that quality of play has dropped off, and this was even when they stopped playing quality competition since the Cowboys game. They've only played what the the Eagles and the Vikings, that and they're like mid competition, and their the defense is like be, being ass against these teams. Like what is going on? Like the Panthers are three and three, and I don't know if they're going to be um, improving anytime soon. And it looks like they're going back to the basement they go. 
And then the New York Giants. It's pretty much the same old story for the Giants. Um, there's just going to be an endless stream of agony and disappointment. And I guess they're just not only the team that's being hammered with injuries every week. But, well, Daniel Jones is back to being Charity Jones with the turnovers, the fumbles, um, not taking care of the football. And it, I guess it's just going to be a trend for the rest of the year for the Giants. And you got to wonder if the Giants' ownership is going to fire Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman, and let Daniel Jones walk in free agency uh, after the season because, well, <laughs> they're not a pretty good football team. Like, and, you know, the fact that you drafted Daniel Jones like that high in the first place, uh, yeah, it's like pretty bad. It is pretty bad. Daniel Jones is a total bust. Now, for some players of the week, um, Titans running back Derrick Henry, he had a really good game, like taking taking down that Bills defense. Uh, Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup, like he had a good bounce back game against uh, the Giants after he was somewhat a little quiet against the Seahawks a week ago. Uh, Jags kick, yeah, surprisingly, yeah, <laughs> I'm giving it to a, a, a player of the week award to a, a Jaguars player, but he had an impressive kick um, against the Dolphins, like. He had a kick that was gonna stay a wide right, and then all of a sudden, it curved back into the <laughs> into the field goal post. Like um, on the television broadcast, uh, announcer Kevin Harlan was he was calling the kick, and then Matthew Wright kicked it, and then it was already sailing wide right. Kevin Harlan already called it as a no good field goal, and then it sailed back in. <laughs> Kevin Harlan was like <laughs> made himself look like a kind of like an idiot and he knew he was wrong about it so damn this kid this kid got some crazy luck and then he kicked the game winner and he he nailed it in like i think zach's got a kicker now they have a kicker that i mean he won't solely win them games but if if they continue to build around trevor lawrence um hopefully they do despite their shitty franchise that's run by like i guess it's also run by Crappy AEW management, too. But, I mean, hey, they got a kicker. And then the Cardinals' defense. They got they got three turnovers early that they capitalized all on points. And then they continued to build on that momentum in the second half and making the Browns the skid marks for one game, at least. So those are my players of the week. Those are my winners and losers. And that is week six in the books for you. So now that we talked about week six, let's now... Ship forward to week seven, or as what most people are calling bye week apocalypse. Now, why is this uh, um, one of the worst weeks in the NFL? Um, I don't like, I guess you could say it's because, um, well, several teams are going to be on bye this week, and in, in my opinion, it's going to be a brutal week for those not just uh. You know, for those people that are playing fantasy football, they're gonna be like, "Oh, well, like who do I who do I add? Who do who who do, who do I drop? Like, like who 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 on my bench do I need to keep? Who do I need to who do I need to delete? Do I need to delete the players that are on by? Any of that? Like from a fantasy perspective, yeah, it's gonna be brutal. But it's also gonna be brutal for those people um watching the NFL this week because not only is, could their teams be on by this week, but the, the quality of games that are on this list I'm going to be talking about is is not very good. 
it is not very good at all. And I'm going to explain why in a bit. So the teams that are on bye this week are the Steelers, the Bills, the L.A. Clippers. Oh, sorry, the L.A. Chargers, uh, the Jaguars, the Vikings, and the Cowboys. So two of these teams that are on bye are also going to be facing each other in the next Sunday night matchup um, in week eight. So the Chargers and the Vikings. Uh, not the Chargers. The Vikings and the Cowboys. So that being said, bye week apocalypse kicks off on Thursday night football when the the already mentioned Denver Broncos visit the already mentioned skid marks of the NFL for one game, the Cleveland Browns. And I'm going with the Broncos on this one because, well, I mentioned it countless times already. Um, the Browns are going into this matchup um, very, very uh, depleted on offense. And they're going to be starting Case Keenum in, in place of the injured Baker Mayfield. And, like, nobody knows who's going to be, like, running the show in terms of who's who's going to be at running back, who's going to, who like, who's Case Keenum going to throw the ball to, is Oda Beckham going to play, is Jarvis Landry going to be activated off IR, um, who, like, who, who, who are the Browns going to, like, who's going to produce for the Browns on offense on Thursday night against a somewhat, like, declining Broncos defense, and, Speaking of the Broncos, they could be without Teddy Bridgewater too. Like I don't know what he's injured with, but like that's something to watch out for. Um, as the days, as the soon like hours go by. But even without Teddy Bridgewater, as long as if Drew Locke is starting and he's not shitting the bed, um, they should still have enough uh power, especially on defense, to take down the Browns' offensive talent deficit. So I'm gonna go with the Broncos. Um. They'll go four and three, but it's not like anything special. And this Thursday night matchup is, uh, yeah, it's not going to be great. So, but at least you know, the Golden State Warriors home opener is going to be on during this matchup against the true LA Clippers. Oh, sorry, the Chargers. I don't know. <laughs> both they're both the same, so I don't care. So then we get to the Sunday morning action. Um, the Carolina Panthers. Go to New York to take on the Giants. Um, some more uninteresting action. See, this is here we go. This, this is the theme that I was mentioning. Um, the Panthers are still in free fall mode, um, but I still think that Sam Darnold can get out of his funk at least for this game. And if he does, then he, they should have no problem being a turnover happy uh, Giants team. And that Panthers defense, like I think this could be the game that they can get out of their funk too against Daniel Jones and, you know, his charity case. So I'm going to go with the Panthers um, to finally get back on track here. Then in a rematch from week two, the New York Jets return from their London bye to take on the New England Patriots coming off their uh, um, heartbreaker in overtime to the Cowboys. Um, I'm going with the Patriots on this one because, well, the Pats humbled Zach Wilson um, when they met week two. Um, And while the Pats have been on this roller coaster of inconsistency since then. Um, they're still playing a bad Jets team. Like, let's face it, the Jets are still pretty bad. Uh, Zach Wilson it still has no help around him, no offensive line, and Zach Wilson himself is still throwing pretty erratically. So the Patriots should curb that inconsistency for at least one more week before they run into some like harder, harder opponents. Then, in, I guess it's the one of the games of the week. The Kansas City Chiefs go to um, Nashville to take on the Tennessee Titans 
in a pretty interesting matchup. So both teams are coming off big wins from last week. Um, the Titans being the most impressive over the Chiefs. And both teams have some questions um, going into this matchup. The Titans have questions about their defense and you know the, the consistent health of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Um, and their offense still lives and dies by um, Derrick Henry. And the Chiefs, like, they still have questions about, you know, you know their their struggles with Patrick Mahomes taking care of the football and um, Tyreek Hill. He, he's not getting as open as before. Travis Kelsey is still, um, you know, he, he's, he's still sometimes disappearing in the, de- well, that very bad secondary of the Chiefs. They, they have a lot of question marks on, on the Kansas City roster right now. Um, but nonetheless... I, bel- I think that the Titans, who, again, live and die by Derrick Henry, and, the well, as long as A.J. Brown and Julio Jones can stay healthy in this game, they can beat the Chiefs. And if the Titans' defensive front seven can get to Patrick Mahomes and their somewhat struggling offensive line, they can, they can beat the Chiefs in this game. So I'm going to go on a little bit of an upset trend and pick the Titans in this one. So then we have the Washington football team uh, traveling to Green Bay to take on the Packers. Um, man, I think I think it's pretty obvious who I'm going with. Um, Aaron Rodgers is going to continue his dominance over lowly teams um, like Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team. And the Packers are going to roll over, um, over the nameless uh, Washington team in a big way, so not really much else to say. Then the Atlanta Falcons returned their from their post uh, London buy to take on the Miami Dolphins in Miami, who are not taking a London buy this week. The Dolphins have lost five straight due to very bad O line support, sub and subpar defensive play, and um, I don't expect that to change at all um, because the Falcons um, should not only be able to um, pressure to a all game long. But they should be able to move the ball too on offense. Matt Ryan is still is still playing well, um, even without not as much help as before with like Calvin Ridley and now the emergence of Cordell Patterson. So he's getting some more help as the weeks go along, and look for that to continue. And then the emergence of Kyle Pitts. So the train's gonna keep going for Atlanta in this game against Miami. And if the Miami loses this game, then well. Who knows? Maybe um, those rumors of Deshaun Watson in that that trade could possibly get uh, intensified as we speak. Then, in another big game of the week, the Cincinnati Bengals traveled to Baltimore to take on the Ravens in a big AFC North matchup. Um, and this is going to be a tough test for both of them, even though they're facing each other. Because one of them has to win this game in order to get an edge on the AFC North and we're going to see if the Cincinnati Bengals, um, their like current win record reflects on, well, if they can compete for the division title against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think the Ravens are, might have some trouble stopping Joe Burrow in the air, um, but they should be able to pull through with Lamar Jackson once more in this game and close out with the division victory heading to their bye week. So I'm going with the Ravens. Then in the afternoon slate, the Detroit Lions, the winless Detroit Lions, are going to take on the LA Rams, and I think it's pretty obvious what's going to happen here. Um, but 
this this is also a a little I guess from a storyline perspective, this is a bit of an interesting game because um this is the first time since that big trade in the offseason that these two teams are gonna meet. Jared Goff is gonna return to the to the place that drafted him and He's well. He's with this new team. Maybe he might be a little more motivated to play against the team that shipped him away. But you also have to consider that he doesn't have the talent around him anymore. He doesn't have the Cooper Cups of the world. He doesn't have the Robert Woods of the world. He doesn't have the defensive help in Aaron Donald around him anymore. And guess who does have that? Matthew Stafford. And you better bet your ass that Matthew Stafford, who has Jared Goff's previous talent and Stafford's current talent around him and he's going to be extra motivated to kick kick his old team's ass on Sunday at home in LA so the Rams are gonna sweep on the Lions and tame them once more so I'm going with the Rams and then down in Vegas uh the Las Vegas Raiders host the Philadelphia Eagles um I think the Raiders are going to continue their um their winning streak. Oh, they're gonna extend their winning streak, as per se. Um, I think, um, despite you know the the fallout from that John Gruden fiasco, I think I think they may have um, lit a little bit of a fire in them positively because look at the way they played against Denver. Like they continually uh, moved the ball aggressively, and they can also do so against this very weak Philadelphia team um, that doesn't have a good secondary. Um, Jalen Hurts, it like hit that offense with him. It seems very off as the weeks go on. So look for Derek Carr and the rest of the offense to take advantage of that. Like the lack of scoring from Jalen Hurts and his his opportunities. So I think the Raiders can pick apart this Eagles team. So I'm going with the Raiders on this one. And then the Houston Texans. Oh man. Oh man. They they travel to Arizona to face the undefeated Cardinals. I mean, is this even a question? Is this even a question? I mean, you never know what happens in the NFL, but at the same time, the Texans are an absurd team. They they don't have any talent at all on this team. You looked you look at them, you watched them play for the last six weeks, and they they just they're just a team that's there. So look for the Cardinals to be the second team to potentially shut out the Texans or at least completely run them out of there. So it, it's no secret. So then the Chicago Bears go out to Tampa Bay to play some burst football against the Tampa Bay Bucks. And Tom Brady is also going to be heralded as another co-owner of the Bears when this game is over and done with. Because with the way the Bears offense is going, uh, and the way the offensive line of the Bears is going, Justin Fields stands absolutely no chance against this Bucks front seven. So, yeah. Look for the Bucks to pretty much dismantle the, the Bears in a big way in Week 7. So... There is a Sunday night game um, with the Colts and the 49ers. Um, I will discuss that. However, when I discuss um, my little preview of that game later on after I discuss my picks for the Monday night football game with the New Orleans Saints and 
the Seattle Seahawks. So, the Saints are returning from their bye to face a Seattle team that looked like it was still trying to find its identity uh, without Russell Wilson. Um, and it's going to be interesting how Seattle bounces back from uh, a 50-50 game. You know, they were relying a lot on Alex Collins um, in that game. They were relying a lot on the running game um, in the second half. And the Saints have a very good run defense. Um, so, you know, Smith's going to have to throw the ball a lot more against the Saints. And offensively, Jameis Winston um, should should have a blast. Granted, if the good version of him shows up, he should, get, should, he should have a blast, you know, dissecting the Seahawks' very bad secondary. And he's going to be um, making Seattle question themselves all night long on Monday night. So, I'm going with the Saints on this one. So, now, for the Sunday night game uh, on Sunday night football, let's talk about uh, the Colts and the 49ers. Um, for the 49ers, um, they were on by this past week on week six. Um, they were they recently were in action in week five against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, they were actually putting up a good fight defensively against them, you know, eliminating them. Um, to just 17 points. I mean, yeah, we didn't put up big numbers either, but still, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a total blowout um, from that Red Sea attack. But Nick Boza um, in that front seven played a very good game in containing Kyler Murray and limiting them um, frequently. But still, we lost the game. Uh, Trey Lance didn't have the the uh, best of starts, but I mean, he... he did enough to to fla- he flashed potential. Uh, it's just unfortunate that he's he's injured. He's not going to be playing um, this Sunday night game against the Colts. He's not going to be starting. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to return from that calf injury. Um, from what I've seen from the practice report so far, um, as I'm talking about it on this day, as I'm recording, um, he seems to be making good progress and on track to be. Uh, starting against the Colts. So now, as we're talking about the Colts, um, they are two and four. Um, but when I look at the Colts, they're not like um, a bad two and four. They're if they were like oh, you know, let's say they were getting blown out each and every week, or let's say you know they were their quarterback or their defense was so bad that oh, yeah, they're that they're two and four for a reason. I mean, yeah there's a reason why they're two and four, but it's not like, you know, they're a bad team. They're just getting outplayed and outsmarted by their opponents. Let's take the Ravens game. For example, they come like their defense blew a big lead against the, against the Ravens while Carson Wentz was having his best game since what? 2017 again in against the Ravens. And, I gotta admit, Carson Wentz, he's getting more comfortable running uh, Frank Wright's uh, offense in the last two weeks. And while T.Y. Hilton got hurt in the most recent game, like having more help on the receiving end has made Carson Wentz uh, a little more comfortable in, in the passing game. And then, of course, having Jonathan Taylor there, Naeem Hines on the running game, you know, Carson Wentz is, is not as pressured to, you know, to do like 
like be the hero um in Indianapolis. And you know, on defense, the secondary is is kind of a weakness. It was actually the defining weakness in that loss to the Ravens. But still, like they they give some big play, they give up some big throws and big plays, but um when it matters most, um they can make that stop. They can make that st- that stop. Take for instance um that game against the Texans. Yeah, it's the lowly Texans, but like they gave up some some big yardage uh throws to the Texans and they still only allowed 3 points in that game. And that was that was because like while the Texans sucked, um Davis Mills like didn't have any help. Like they they got some key sacks, they got some they got some good deflections on the on Mills's throws. They 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 make they make some plays that matter most. So the Colts recently defeated the lowly Houston Texans at home um, after the Ravens game. And again, keep in mind it was just a bad Houston team. So they're going to be fa- we're going to be facing a Colts team that is is starting to get its rhythm on offense and it's a defense that still has a very good um uh front seven but it's also suspect on on the secondary end so the keys to victory for uh both teams for Carson Wentz and the Colts Carson Wentz should throw uh some mid-range throws to Michael Pittman um and the backup nine times uh, and the starting back, obviously, Jonathan Taylor. And by doing that, they can attack the Niners. Uh, still maligned. I don't know why. They're still maligned. Uh, secondary. And and if he plays, T.Y. Hilton could possibly have a, a potentially big game against this Niners uh, defense. And the Colts' defense, defensive line, which, by the way, this is going to be DeForest Buckner's uh, big homecoming against... Uh, against the red and gold that Colts defensive line needs to bully the Niners offensive line, which has been solid, but there are some question marks um, because we don't know if Trent Williams is going to play. We don't like Mike McGlinchey has been bad, like not good. So there are some question marks. So the Colts defensive line, if they want to win this game, they need to bully around that Niners offensive line so they can get to Jimmy G, pressure him into making bad throws and sacking him. Now for the 49ers, um, the Niners defensive line have to block any and all running lanes from Jonathan Taylor because Jonathan Taylor had a big game against the Texans. Now again, it was the Texans, but still. like He had a big game against that very bad Texans team. And if they, if the Niners, if the, the Colts offensive line like open, open running lanes or anything up for Jonathan Taylor or even Nine Himes. Well, <laughs> they're the Niners are gonna get run all over on the ground, and on defense continuing, you gotta get Carson Wentz under duress with multi-man pressure, like from not just from the the defensive line, but from but maybe you can continue to get pressure on him with. Um, some some corners too, some and then have some other outside corners on the you know covering the receivers too. And then, last but not least, every everyone's gotta 
step up on offense. That includes Jimmy G. That includes receivers like Brandon Ayuk and Ross Dwelly. They need to, like, with the receivers specifically and the running back. If it's a, uh, if it's a passing play, they got to run their routes uh, better. They got, they got to run them and then get open. If they can't get open, they got to, they got to improv so they can get open. I know, I'm just like speaking this filthy casually, but they got to find ways to get open for Jimmy G and make him more comfortable um, in the passing game because Jimmy G is not like Trey Lance. Trey, at least with Trey Lance, he was moving around in the pocket and find, trying to find the open guy. Jimmy G is a statue that's always in the pocket. You got the receivers have to find um, more running uh, running room and more open room, more open space to get open. So help Jimmy G has to help himself, and the re- receivers also help have to help him as well. So that's my little preview of uh, the Colts in the 49ers game, and those are also my picks for Week Seven. Um, for this NFL season, what do you guys think about my picks? I again, I'm not, I haven't been keeping track of like how many picks I've been getting right and how many picks I've been getting wrong. You know, I just love to pick just to pick. <laughs> but let me know what you guys think about um, anything I talked about, whether it's about Week Six, um, Week Seven, uh, the Indianapolis Colts taking on the San Francisco 49ers in the Niners' return from their bye. Let me know how you feel about anything that was talked about. However you can, whether it's on YouTube, on on Twitter, or Instagram, any way you can. But that is it for this episode of Very Cold Lasagna. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Thank you for tuning in into this fine, fine episode, recapping everything that happened in the NFL from Week 6, and then talking about Week 7, and then talking about the 49ers, all in one big, big episode. So thank you for tuning in to this episode. And as always, keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports in general. Make sure to follow everything in the social media uh, links that I mentioned before. YouTube, the audio, and Twitter and Instagram. Everything related to very cold lasagna. And as always, like I said before, keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge. And until next time, peace out.